Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. I am really excited because I am here with someone who I actually know quite well. Her name is Anne LaFollette. She is the CEO and founder of Anne LaFollette Art. And Anne and I actually worked at the same company at Old Navy for a number of years. And Anne had a 25-plus year career in moving up the corporate ladder in companies like Esprit and The Gap and Old Navy, working at a very executive level. And then she made a jump off and started her own thing, her own entrepreneurial business called the Anne LaFollette Art. And she runs a signature eight-week online coaching and training program called the Pattern Design Academy. So with that, welcome, Anne. Hi, Philip. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. I can't wait to talk to you. I know your story, but no one else knows your story. So we're going to have to hear just a little bit about your, you know, the past corporate history, and then a little bit about this, this jump that you just made in the last few years. Can you just give us the high level cliff notes of that? Sure. So the short version is that, as you described, I worked my way up the corporate ladder at global retailers. And then when I was about 55 years old, my boss called me into his office and he eliminated my job. And this totally came out of left field. I thought I would have a corporate job forever. I had, you know, the gold watch in my future, the retirement party, the balloons, blah, 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 which all of a sudden went poof up in a, um, up in smoke. So I tried to get another corporate job for several years and I'd get one and then they would do a layoff and I would get laid off again. Or I'd get one and then we'd both realize it wasn't a great fit. Mm. So my husband, my wonderful supportive husband and my son turned to me one day and said, you know, you know, Anne or mom, I think the universe is telling you that you need to figure something else out for the rest, you know, for this next chapter in your life. And funny story, I had a box of art supplies gathering dust in the basement. And so my husband, who was trying to do some cleaning up down there, said, well, hey, sweetie, why don't I bring the box of dusty art supplies up from the basement and I'll buy you an online art class. And why don't you just take some time off? You've earned some time off from having worked your butt off in the corporate world for 25 plus years. So why don't you just explore your creativity and let's just see what happens? And lo and behold, I did um, use those art supplies and I discovered this totally cool creative thing called surface design that many people know more as textile design. It's where you take a little doodle or a, or a beautiful piece of art and you turn it into a repeating pattern using the magic of Adobe Illustrator. And I just fell in love with it. So that is my backstory, but now I completely reinvented myself and I have my own online business and I offer both free and paid programs that show other people who are like me, you know, who are in this sort of age cohort who maybe they were told when they were younger that they had no artistic talent when in fact they do. Um, but in any event, they come into my universe. It's called Anne's Universe. One of my students has named it the hashtag Anne's Universe. They come into my universe. They take my free or my paid programs, and I show them how to put their art into the world, how to make some money from it, but more importantly, to really bring joy back into their life. So I just want to say that Anne has gone from this 
kernel of an idea to a, an incredibly profitable business in an amazingly short period of time in the scheme of things. And so why don't you take us through that moment where you went from, you know, you were doing, you were doing pattern design, you were putting patterns on products and you were selling them maybe on Etsy or something like that. And then you decided, Hey, let me take this to the next level. What was that? What was that transition? And what, where did you decide to take it? Yeah, so I definitely spent a good year, maybe even uh, almost two, um, exploring my own creativity. So it took me a year to figure out, okay, what actually could I be good at? I had been artistic myself in my youth, but of course, there's no, I didn't have any role models. No one in my family was an artist. Everybody had a corporate job. They were either a doctor or a lawyer, or a, as my mom said, an Indian chief, or a, had a corporate job. No one was an artist. And so I didn't even know if I had any talent of my own. And so the first year was just all about exploration. Then when I found surface design, I then had to hone my own skills and had to figure out how to sell my, my own pieces. And I did that in maybe three different ways. I put some of my art online and sold it through my website. I went down to my local art supply store and I took my little box with me that had my products in it. And I showed it to them and said, Can, would you sell some of these and we'll split the proceeds? I went to craft fairs. I did a bunch of more sort of in-person selling. Okay. Um, and then I realized that that wasn't really scalable. Mm. And um, and I come from a family of teachers. And my mom was a teacher. My grandfather was a teacher. My husband's parents are both teachers. And so I think that at some point I sort of realized, wow, I really like to talk about this. I really like to sort of engage um, with people about it. I like to describe what it is because most people have never heard of surface pattern design. And so I started to explore kind of, well, what would it be like if I tried to tell more people about this via Facebook? So I would do Facebook Lives and then people started to find me and then they wanted me to start to teach them. And that's how I made the pivot to add teaching into what I offer. I think that's really interesting because one of the things I talk to creative professionals about is that when they are starting to develop content, a lot of them are maybe early in their careers where they don't feel like they have a lot they're not experts yet, so they don't know what they have to offer. But I find it really fascinating that you were so new to pattern design as an, and as an artist, and you made this jump to doing it on the computer and developing your own products, but you almost immediately started pe teaching people who were three steps behind you what you had just learned. So it was very, very close. You weren't taking 25 years of experience in teaching beginners. You were taking... Like two years of experience in teaching people to kind of get on that train with you. I, is that yeah, kind of what I it was like? Yeah, and I think that that was a huge advantage, to be honest, and I think this could be really great for your audience. You don't have to be 10 steps ahead of the people you teach. If you're actually only a couple steps ahead of them, you remember exactly what it's like when you're sitting in terms of where they're sitting. So it's easier for you to stay in their shoes. It's easier for you to remember, well, what were the stumbling blocks I had to get past. And then you can teach that and help your students make progress more quickly because you still remember very, very much what, um, how difficult it was or what the things were that that's kind of stopped you in your tracks. And you can help bust through that for your students. Now, chances are many of you listening might have first come across me via my YouTube channel. Building my presence on YouTube has done more to build my personal brand than any other platform. So I want to share with you the one resource that was critical in growing my channel. 
It's a YouTube plugin called TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a freemium browser extension that you use to manage and optimize your YouTube channel videos. It saves a massive amount of time doing the mundane tasks like adding cards and managing your video descriptions. But it also provides incredible value through its video analytics, showing you data about your competitors' videos that's absolutely invisible without it. It also helps with adding metadata to your videos so they show up better in search. If you want to take your YouTube work to the next level, you have to get TubeBuddy. You can support this podcast by signing up through our affiliate link. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen. It's easy to remember. Just type in TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen to check it out. By adding TubeBuddy to your video workflow, I guarantee you your channel will grow much, much faster. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen and sign up for TubeBuddy today. So when you were building your brand, suddenly you decided you had to have a business, you know, after a long 25 plus year career. And so how did you start building those pieces? You said you had a website and you started doing things on Facebook. So walk us through kind of the building of the of the Anne LaFollette brand ecosystem. Yeah. So I um, pretty early on um, got some help from my husband actually to do a really, really basic website. And then I kind of realized, wow, this is going to be really fun to sort of figure out, well, what, um, you know, what do I want Anne LaFollette art to look like? How do I want my website to showcase both some of who I am and some of the art that I do? And I really got into the whole branding, the whole like your area of expertise, branding. And um, I definitely found a fantastic partner and uh, her name is um, is Monique Johnson and her business is called Mojo Design. And she and I collaborated on really improving my website. But I already knew kind of, I wasn't in a creative job like you were when we were at Old Navy together. I was on the operational side of the business. However, you know, I spent 25 years in retail and retail is all about branding and, Mm -hmm. you know, and product diversification. And so I think some of that um, really resonated with me. And I kind of was always peeking over there in the creative side of the business because it's like, wow, it'd be really fun to work over there. <laughs> and, and so I love the branding part. I loved, um, you can see behind me, I think it's behind this, this shoulder, this shoulder. So that is a watercolor flower that is part of my Anne LaFollette art branding that you see on my website. If you go to annelafolletteart.com, you'll see that flower in the center at the top. And, um, I definitely wanted to ensure that my brand was going to represent the type of both work and feel that I do and a little bit of kind of my, I grew up in Paris and so I wanted it to also have a little bit of a Parisian feel. Um, and, but I love just diving into it. So that's sort of a long winded answer, but I love, I love the fact that I have to think about um, fonts and just having picking essentially just two. And then I also loved um, coming up with a color palette and doing a lot of work around, well, what color palettes really resonate with me? What's going to make the most sense? And uh, and one of the things I want to give a big shout out to you and to your expertise around is that when you as a branding expert like you are, help people develop their brand, amazing, amazing things happen if you're really listening to what your, you know, what your client's all about. So when I came up with my brand colors, every single one of my brand colors has a name that resonates with my background. Mm, I think that's, that's awesome. And did your designer name the colors or did you kind she of named, name them? Um, she named the colors and she didn't actually know. She knew enough about me, but she picked like crimson. I went to Harvard. She picked crimson. 
but she didn't know I went to Harvard. Yeah. She picked um, Cornflower Blue, and I was born in upstate New York, which is where Corn and Glassworks is, and they had a whole series of Corel wear with Cornflower Blue, tiny little blue flowers on, the, wow. on, on them. You know those? Cornflower Blue. She picked Khaki. You know, you and I worked at the Gap and at Old Navy. That's, yeah, huge we lived khaki. khaki. Huge khaki brand. <laughs> and um, she picked uh, eucalyptus green for the green, and that's my mom's favorite flower. And my mom passed away last year, but that was always her favorite scent was eucalyptus. So it was just incredible. And then, and then peony is the pink in my brand, and uh, that's my favorite flower. I think that that's a really the description of what you just went through and the fact that you could remember the names of all those colors also is shows the power of story behind color and branding and I think that the fact that you your your designer presented those colors to you with names so they held a level of story for you it sounds like it really kind of took hold and really resonates with you so to to all the designers out there listening I think that's a real testament to the power of story in terms of really making a brand personal for our clients. Yeah. And then the other thing that um, people can do, and they can go to my website to see this in action, but um, I have now, I have sub businesses, right? So I have Amplified Art. That's my umbrella business, but I also, I do a free mini series called From Doodles to Dollars. I have my paid program that's called the Pattern Design Academy, and now I have a membership that's called Anne's Atelier, and Atelier is the French word for creative studio or workshop. And if you go onto my website, they all use my brand colors, but in a totally, totally unique way in terms of wh what they're amping up or what they're, you know, what they're bringing to the fore. So you can tell that they're working under the entire umbrella, but they're also all super unique and, and sophisticated in a different way. So I know that you didn't just roll out of bed one day and know how to develop a video course. Right. So talk a little bit about how you learned how to do that. You have a very deep ecosystem for training now, video courses, lives. How did you learn how to do that? Yeah, so I definitely am someone who believes in investing in my education and that it's very, very important to try to go to, to try to find experts who you resonate with and buy their courses or buy their coaching programs and invest in yourself so that you can learn. I didn't know anything about online business. I didn't know what a funnel was. It was sort of like taking a foreign language. What's a funnel? What's an opt-in? What's a what's a lead magnet? So you have to invest in yourself to learn how to do these things if you want to really get good at it. And so there are two or three people who I found who really I really resonated with. And so Amy Porterfield is the first. I found her actually through a friend of mine who was taking one of her courses. And Amy Porterfield, for those of you who don't know, she teaches a course on courses. So if you want to learn how to do an online course, she is the master. Um, I then also, um, I don't remember how I discovered Jeff Walker, but Jeff Walker has um, a book called uh, Launch, and he has an online course called Product Launch Formula. And it helps you learn how to launch the programs that you have. So I also invested in that. And then the third big person was um, is uh, Stu McLaren because Stu McLaren every year sells a course on memberships. It's called Tribe, 
And, um, and so he's the membership guy. He's like, if you, you know, if you Google membership gurus, there are a couple of podcasts that'll show up, including his, and then his name will show up about with this, with this course. So long story short, I made a lot of investments. So one of the advantages that I had was I had this very successful corporate career. And so I had a little bit of a little cushion that I could then um, tap into to invest in my learning journey. But I have to say, making those decisions and then doing the work meant that I now have a very, very profitable, multiple six-figure business. And essentially, I got it up and running in 24 months. Ann and I are both part of a mastermind group together, a peer-level mastermind group. And I've been on in the background watching Ann go from her transition from corporate to where she is now. And it has been absolutely so inspiring. And Anne was my inspiration for utilizing Amy Porterfield to teach me how to launch a video course because I'm just launching my very video course, very first um, course, which I'm in the launch cycle right now, right in the center of it. And um, she is an absolute master and an inspiration. But I think that your point is super well taken about when you have to say to yourself, I don't know this. If I'm going to launch forward at a much faster rate, I have to admit myself that to myself that I need to make a financial and a psychological investment in my future to learn something so I can catapult forward. And you do that on a, on a number of different levels. I did it with Amy. And both of us, you know, we've had long careers. We're fairly accomplished people in our careers. But there comes a time where you have to say, I don't know this. This is new stuff to me. And I've got to hire an expert to kind of get me up to speed fast. And that's what it sounds like you did with a number of different people. Yeah. And also, you know, I am of a certain age and I'm 63. I just turned 63 and I've got lots and lots of fabulous years ahead of me, I hope, you know, ho hopefully. You do. And with your energy, however, I know you do. However, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. I want to, I love being a creative entrepreneur. I wake up in the morning and I cannot wait to work on whatever it is I'm going to be working on, whether that's supporting students in my program, whether that's doing more graphic design work myself for social media posts or for an update on my website or my weekly blog. I absolutely, absolutely love being in charge of my business and no one can take it away from me. I don't have any, there's no boss telling me what to do. It's my baby, which at this time in my life is just incredibly empowering and brings me an you know, incredible amount of joy. And I'm really a different person. I mean, my son and my husband say, I, you know, I, I don't walk around with a little black cloud over my head anymore because I'm miserable in my job or I'm exhausted because I'm working 24 seven. I work hard. I definitely work hard, but I love what I do. And so, um, investing in yourself and making the decision to invest in yourself so that you can accelerate the progress you'd like to see in your business. I couldn't um, emphasize that. And I can't emphasize that enough. And when you sell your courses, you must also, you know, share that perspective because that's what you're encouraging people to do with you actually, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely encouraging that. And I'm also making sure that people understand that the, that you have to do the work. So what I promised myself after I made each major investment was that within a year I would get my I would pay myself back for whatever that investment was. Hmm. So if I bought Amy's course, I was going to have a course up and running that was going to make more money than the investment 
in her course. Um, when I took Stu's course, I said, okay, I'm getting a membership up, up and running because I've got to, you know, I got to get, get my money back. So there, it's a two-part process. You have, to, you have to believe in yourself enough to actually make the investment, but then you have to buckle down. You got to get your calendar out. You got you to place the time on your calendar when you're going to do the work. And then you should always set a goal that, okay, then I'm going to actually launch what I just learned so that I can pay myself back and, and some and then continue the learning journey from there. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. One of the things that I remember about you is that you are a, you love office supplies. And Mm -hmm. you are, because you came from operations, you are incredibly organized. And a lot of creative professionals struggle with time management and organization. And launching a course and having this sort of a business is very complex. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of calendar planning to do, a lot of time management. So talk a little bit about how you do that. How do you do your planning? How do you do your time management? So I love office supplies. And so I have a calendar over here. Uh, that I, I don't know if I can swig, swivel my camera so that you can see it. It's on my wall. There it is. That is my annual. That's my annual calendar, and you notice it's color coded. So they're so it's color coded, <laughs> and so I know what each of the color codes means. I also have bigger versus smaller versus tiny um, sticky notes or the three M the three M notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that I can ensure that some of them are small enough so I can still see the date because that's a really tiny calendar. I also have a bigger calendar right behind me. I'm looking at the month of February and it's also all color coded. So I know if I'm teaching my course, everything on it is in pink. If I'm doing a, um, a live interview or something, it's in yellow and it's on the dates. If I'm at a workshop, it's in orange. So mostly I play with my supplies. So you're, you're, you're tactical, meaning tactile. You like things physically on the wall with stickies, with tape. You're not like in digital Google Cal and having alerts and stuff like that. You like to see it. I do. And I think that this actually, um, this just occurred to me from your question is when I was at corporate, I had to do a ton of, of presentations. And so I was always in PowerPoint. And so what I would do with my team is we'd put the whole, every single slide on the wall mm. and then we'd move them around to ensure that we felt like the story arc was working properly and that the slides were in the right order and that we could visually see them to say, are they pretty enough or distinct enough so that it's, they're not boring. They're not just a whole bunch of PowerPoint slides with bullet points on them them. And so even back then in my younger years, I definitely was very tactile and like the fact that you can zoom out from something that's on the wall in front of you. When you're planning a course, if you're thinking about the number of modules or the lessons inside a module, if you have them on something you can move around, then it's easier to sort of say, well, wait a minute, 
that actually needs to be moved over here and then you can physically move it. Now, of course, there are definitely apps that will allow you to do that. There are, in fact, cool apps that um, allow you to actually have pretend sticky notes that you can move around, but I just still physically need them. I just, I love the, to your point, the tactile aspect of it. And Anne has turned me into a convert of the Staples laminated calendar with the sticky notes. I do the same thing now because it's really helpful. It's like having a big whiteboard and I have my desk in the center of the room facing a wall across the room where I can see my giant whiteboard all the time. I just find it very helpful to be able to remind myself of my priorities, right, during the day. Let's pivot the conversation a little bit. I want to talk about how you market yourself. So you're a digital entrepreneur. You teach other people surface design. You have video courses. You do lives. What does your marketing ecosystem look like? How do you, what are the, what are the vehicles you use to market yourself? So I started out by um, writing a blog every single Tuesday. So I have about two years or two and a half years now worth of blog posts on my website. And then um, I realized the power of video. And um, I got a business Facebook page called Anna Follett Art. And so I decided that I didn't, I didn't know exactly how to do live, but I figured, well, I'm going to go live on my Facebook page and all I'm going to do is talk about my blog. So I don't have to come up with different content. So I published the blog and then I would go live the next day. And so for the last couple of years, every Wednesday at, um, at noon, California time, I'm in California. So noon Pacific standard time, I go live on my page and I talk about my blog post. And it's hilarious to go back and see some of those early ones because I'm super stiff. Stiff. (laughs) I'm not in the right right. place. I I didn't have a creative studio like I'm sitting in right now. This is, I only actually got this studio. This is our garage. I only, we only did the garage as my studio this year, 20 in 2020, actually in 2020. For anyone Um, who's not watching the video and just listening on a podcast, Jan says she's in a garage, but she redid it and it does not look like a garage. It looks like an atelier. Actually, it looks like a beautiful Parisian studio. It's a beautiful space. It's a beautiful, tiny little former garage now, gorgeous space. But in any event, to answer your question, I started blogging. Then I added Facebook Lives. Then because of your influence and also watching you, I decided, well, I want to start a YouTube channel. And so my YouTube channel is just a recorded version of my blog. So it's same content. And then this year, I, um, or actually, I guess it was last year, I decided, well, if I'm doing the YouTube version of my blog, I can also repurpose that and upload it to IGTV. And, uh, and so, but it's an evolution. I think it's important for your audience to know that you got to just start with one thing. Yeah. Right. Just start by blogging. And then you sort of feel like you've gotten the cadence down. It's super important to be consistent. You want people to be looking for that, um, the email that has your blog in it on the same day at the same time so that they are expecting it. And then when you have the bandwidth, you can then add on a live, whether it's a Facebook live or a YouTube live or an IGTV I think that that's a really great point. And repurposing is so critical. And I think that as you're thinking about, I, I find that really interesting, actually, how you repurposed your blog. So how you repurposed writing so well into something live and visual, going from doing your blog on your website to doing Facebook lives around your blog. I find that fascinating. And now I'm all excited because I'm thinking about, I've got four years of newsletter content I could like do lives about. That's a great idea. 
Yeah, and, and the other thing, Philip, that's so totally cool about it is that you, when you're looking at the green dot, right? I'm looking at the green dot right now. You can have the blog up on your computer. So you can just look at it periodically and it doesn't really look like your eyes are, you're not looking down or anything like right. that. And so you have your prompts like right in front of you while you talk about the topic. And of course, if you spent the time writing it, you know it anyways. Right. So it's a very, it's a, it's a nice way to kind of get over that fear of what am I going to talk about? When I started, I started with a, a newsletter. So I didn't start really blogging. I started with a newsletter so I could make sure people were reading it rather than just hoping they were coming to my website. But then going to YouTube and then doing video, it's incredibly easy to repurpose video to audio to Instagram, a million different platforms. So I think repurposing is a huge message to get across to people who are listening in terms of and building her business. She was very, very smart about repurposing her content to expand her, her reach across a number of different platforms. One question I want to ask you about that, though, and this is something that I think the people, when they're just starting off blogging or writing, um, they 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 struggle with getting traffic to actually read their blog on their website. So how did you drive people to actually see your blog on your website? Did you Were you successful in getting people to go there? Or did you get more traction once you started putting it on Facebook Live? So when I first started to blog, I would um, I was spending $5 a day on Facebook ads to get people to get to go to my freebie. So okay. I have a three-part video series initially let me back up. My very first freebie was just a one-page downloadable PDF guide about surface design. And so again, for your audience, it's like you, you can keep it really, really simple. So it was just a one-page PDF. And so I was spending $5 a day on ads to that PDF. And then in, after about six months, I realized, well, I, I now have the bandwidth. I can actually do a recorded video series that people get when they sign up to enhance that freebie. But that was the beginning of the ecosystem. And so $5 a day, Facebook ads to my freebie, my welcome um, email sequence gives them the freebie and tells them more about my universe. That brings them into um, where to find my Facebook page and reminds them that every Tuesday they'll get my blog and every Wednesday I'll talk live. If they have any questions, they can join me live. And so it becomes this really nice... Um, sort of circle of awesomeness to borrow a <laughs> phrase from, from Stu McLaren that the I'm emailing out people are clicking the email that takes them to the website. So I get the, the hit, right. The eyeballs on the website and then that takes them to the video and then they show up on Wednesday to ask me questions and then I rinse and repeat. But the cool thing is when you're repurposing to your point, when you're repurposing your content and literally, I don't change it really at all other than I'm talking about it as opposed to you're reading about it. Mm. Um, you are getting some of the people who I email like to read the blog, but some people like to pop over to my YouTube channel and watch the video there. Or some of them are uh, more Instagram users. And so I'll post that my blog is live and then they'll click through to Instagram stories or IGTV rather and watch it there. So you have to think of your audiences. Not everybody wants to consume in the same way. And so over time, as you have the bandwidth, getting the same content out there in multiple ways means more people will consume it. So how did you 
Do you have any mentors or influencer, you know, people who have influenced you in your um, pursuit of being a surface designer and an educator? Who do you look to? Who, who do you get inspired by? Oh my goodness. So the person who inspires me all the time, and she actually has a free mini course right now, is Bonnie Christine. So Bonnie Christine, if you, you can look her up, bonniechristine.com, is the most beautiful surface designer, in my opinion, out there today. And she's also an online educator. She was an, a service designer with internationally licensed designer. And she pivoted about four years ago, or she didn't pivot. She just added into her business, her own online course about surface design. And she only offers it once a year. She starts out with a mini course that she's offering literally next week. It starts next week. And um, I just fell in, she's 30 years old. So she's 30 years younger than me, but she is really my creative mentor. I follow everything she does. I love her aesthetic. I love her heart-centered approach to her business. She's got two beautiful young kids, and so she has the freedom to spend time with those kids because of how she's diversified her business. And so I would say that she is my inspiration. She's sort of my North Star. I think that is very interesting. And I know that you've been an affiliate for her courses as well. And so the fact that I, this is a kind of interesting topic I've been thinking a lot about recently is that you, she is in your same category. She is your competition, essentially, except you have slightly different aged customer avatars, right? For one thing, but there is overlap, right? So, I mean, you're, you're promoting your competitor and her competitor's courses, and I've been, you know, thinking more about that. And I'm, I've never been very territorial in terms of, you know, trying to keep people away from my design clients or keep my processes, you know, secret or whatever that is, because I personally feel like there's enough business for everybody, right? We live in a global economy. There's 10 zillion billion people in the world. And I don't feel like any of these people are my competition. I feel like they're my, my colleagues and we're all, we all have the same mission in the world. Do you kind of approach it that way? Definitely. I totally approach it that way. And one of the things that Bonnie says all the time is there's room for you mm. because each one of us is so unique. And so not only am I older than Bonnie, but I learned how to use Adobe Illustrator and how to become licensed at a much older age. I teach differently. My, you know, our courses are not identical at all. There's material that's this, that's similar but I go a lot slower. <laughs> and I break it down into more baby steps because I know that if when I went through it, that's how I could make progress. Mm. And so there is definitely overlap in our community. I think that a lot of people who buy her course are kind of looking for me as the adjunct professor, for lack of a better description, that will help break it down for them. We'll hold their hand. We'll make sure that, um, they don't get left behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she has a huge community when she offers her program, she gets about 2000 people to buy it. And I'm an affiliate for her, but I'll only get a hundred people who will buy through me. So my community is much smaller. I can provide that personalized attention to help them be successful in, in completing her course and to be successful in their own right with um, getting their first contract, if that's what they want to do. Yeah. So it, there's room for both of us. And I think it's important in your space too. I think it's super important for people to feel like, well, I want to, I want to teach the same, the same content. So can I do that? And it's like, 
You'll teach it in a totally different way. Exactly. You might organizing it, organize it in a different way. You'll go deeper in certain components that you're passionate about that are totally different from the next person. And that's what makes us truly unique as creatives. So as you continue to build your business, and as you said, you now have sub-brands and has, and has sub-brands. So when you think about continuing to build the Anne LaFollette art empire, what are you inspired to do next? What's, what's on your horizon? So I'm super, expire, super, super excited to do a virtual live event. So I wanted to, in 2020, do my first retreat, in-person retreat. Mm, okay. And because when people come into my course, I, love, I, I get to know them really, really well because my audience is still small, which is brilliant. And that's another thing people need to remember is when you have a small, a fairly small business or even a very small business, you get to know your customer so incredibly well, which is full of joy and surprises and makes you better as a teacher and better as a mentor and better as a coach. So cherish cherish this time frame when we're small. And so anyway, I wanted to do a creative retreat. And of course, I wasn't able to do a creative retreat because of COVID. And um, but so I figured, well, COVID's still going to be around in 2021. So I need to do it virtually. And so that I'm super excited to to uh, to offer that this year. That's that's next on the horizon. So you're pretty in touch with, you know, e-commerce and courses and teaching and 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 now very up to speed on digital marketing as a as a very accomplished digital marketer. So you were pretty hooked into what's happening out there in the digital sphere. Do you see anything in terms of trends or changes or shifts in focus of the best way to do digital marketing? I think the two things that I have um, absorbed, well, the two, I think the two biggest trends are that Zoom is not going away. So if you have a way to communicate with your audience using Zoom, because that creates a two-way conversation as opposed to a one-way conversation, um, that can be incredibly empowering. Mm. So one of the things that was a really big kind of hockey stick moment for my business last year was when COVID hit and everyone was at home people were desperate to stay connected with their creative peers. And I did Zoom. I just did, I sent out a thing to my email list saying, I'm going to be on Zoom three times a week. You can show up. You don't have to show up. I'm just going to, we're just going to chat. Um, and, and it was just an incredible, it was just an incredible way to hear the person's voice, to see their face, to learn more about what they're, you know, where they were sitting when they were taking my course or not taking my course. So that's a huge thing. And even when people start to go back to work, there's still going to be a lot more time at home than, than, cause I don't think that everybody's going to go back to work 24 <laughs> seven. So I think zoom, if you can handle zoom is a lot harder to manage than having a one-way conversation on a Facebook or on a YouTube. I mean, YouTube live, you have people in chat, but you don't necessarily have them like in a Zoom room with you. So that's another level of engagement. I think the other big trend is that um, people want you to meet them where they are. So they don't want a cookie cutter approach to what you're offering. They want you to be able to segment them into subgroups so that you're addressing the people who are a little bit more at the beginning of, of what you're teaching them, mm. people who are moving more quickly, people who are speeding through it, uh, because everything today is oriented around personalization, whether that's the feed you see on, on your version of Netflix versus my version of Netflix, right. um, or everyone is used to instant results because you can order from Uber Eats or you can get your food delivered 
delivered to you. And so I think that's another big trend, which is people want to make progress faster. They want the results faster. Mm. So anything you can do to help them get those results faster is, uh, is a big benefit. So one of the things that I know that you did recently is you started using a video editor. It's always a pivotal point in any digital entrepreneur's life when they they come to the point where they have been doing something themselves for a long period of time and they suddenly have to relinquish that or are dying to relinquish that to somebody else. Talk about that process a little bit about where in those and where what are the inflection points in your business where you had to say, I can't do this anymore. I need to either train or bring in the specialist to do this for me because it's going to it's going to really help. I have to get this off my plate. Yeah, so that's such a great question. And I do still struggle with this quite a bit because one of the things as I continue to think about my business and the growth in my business is, you know, how big of a team or not do I want to have? And having spent 25 years at corporate managing gigantic teams, I really don't want anybody working for me. (laughs) So I don't want to have to manage. I just really don't want to manage people. So my approach has been much more hiring contractors. So I'll just hire somebody on an hourly rate basis for a project because then it's finite. It's not an ongoing relationship. It could be an ongoing relationship, but it's basically a contract as opposed to an an employment, having an employee. But that's a little bit off of what your your question was. Your question was more, when did I discover and what were the topics that I decided I have to let somebody else do? So one of the other things that that, um, I have you to thank for is bringing into a small mastermind group that was full of people who have very, very different backgrounds from me. And Dason is in that group and his business is Dason.com and he's my video editor now. And I met him through that mastermind. And I just realized that I was spending way too much time. Um, It's not that hard to record what I'm recording because I just record using my iPhone, but then I have to bring it into iMovie and then I have to edit it and then I have to figure out the the lower thirds and then I got to figure out the music if I want to have news. And you know what I mean? It just, it can go on and on and on. And I produce a lot of content. I do, you know, I create the video version of my blog every single week. And so that was a very, very big time, time commitment. And I just realized that A, I could, somebody else could do a lot better than me. And uh, it would be really fun to lean into someone else's incredible talent in that regard, instead of me just trying to do it as a solo entrepreneur. And it was the best, one of the best decisions I made last year. Yeah, I, I totally am with you. I mean, I think it was the hardest decision I ever made to, well, not the hardest, it was the easiest decision, but it was the hardest transition to do, was to let go and to hire a marketing assistant who was going to do you know, putting my newsletter together and editing my videos and all this sort of production level stuff that I'd been doing and feeling creative control around and then having to relinquish that to someone else. For me, the biggest stumbling block was actually training them how to do it. Like, I, that's what kept me from being able to do it for so long because I thought I can't slow down enough to capture step by step every single button I press, every single process I do to teach somebody. And so I went months without being able to, you know, hand it off to somebody. And then when I finally met someone who was willing and wanted to do this for me, she said, just turn on video and just record your screen while you do every single single step of everything that you're going to hand me. And I'll just use that as a training video. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, duh. I mean, I couldn't believe how simple that was. And then I didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. I mean, listen, we're so busy in our businesses that we don't also realize that every freaking day there's some new app that helps you be more uh, effective. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I always ask my, my guests one question. Do you have an a personal mantra or some sort of manifesto that you try to live your life by? Yeah, so there's sort of two things. So first of all, my tagline is it's never too late to create. Because I, you know, had to to completely reinvent myself when I lost my corporate job and here I am now with my own online business, my creative business that I absolutely love. And so it's never too late to create. You just have to figure out what it is that you really want to lean into and then invest in yourself so you get the education and the coaching that you need to make Mm. progress quickly and continue to move forward. So that's the one that I kind of say to myself almost all day long. And that's what I close every broadcast with. It's like, I'm Anne LaFollette and it's never too late to create. Uh, That's the way I close out all my videos. But the other person who I really want to give a shout out to was Julia Cameron, who wrote the book, The Artist's Way. Because my favorite quote in that book is the capacity for delight is the gift of paying attention. And I think that in today's world, everyone has attention deficit disorder. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Right. No one can pay attention to anything for long enough to actually learn what they're supposed to be learning from from whatever that is. Mm. Uh, So not to get too heavy or anything like that, but I love that quote because I think if you are paying attention to how you're feeling, if you're paying attention to what you're doing, if you're paying attention to how you're spending your time. I mean, Tony Robbins has a very famous quote about how what you focus on is how you feel. Mm. And in today's world where we are spending a lot more time in isolation, it's very important for you to focus on something that will bring you joy and something that will help you move forward and that will help you stay connected with the ones you love and to turn off the distractions or turn off the negative influences or news sources or what have you. Um, so you can take some control. Humans need control. And so being able to um, take control, at least in that small way, I think makes a big difference to just how you feel each day. I think that is an amazing, amazing sentiment. And I love how you've linked your your company tagline to basically your your lifestyle and how you approach life. It's the, it's the epitome of a personal brand. You really live your your brand tagline, I think. I feel so blessed, and I'm really blessed to be here with you today, Philip. Well, you are an absolute inspiration and and a shining light in my personal and professional life, so it's great having you on the show. So where can people find you, Anne? What's the best way to engage with you? People should just go to my website, annelafollettart.com, and they can learn more about me there and the free and paid programs that I have. And so those links will be in the description of the podcast, but for people who are spelling challenged like myself, there are two L's and two T's in Anne LaFollette. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very hard name to spell, but but if you actually start to type it into Google, I might get lucky and it might show up. That's how (laughs) successful she's been in branding now because- Her picture shows up when you type her name into Google Images. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. This has been a a total pleasure. You are so welcome. I can't wait to see you soon, Philip. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.